0: What are you doing on your phone? I'm supposed to be doing a podcast. I'm prepping for the podcast. I'm just looking at the
1: Stocks app on my iPhone. So Couldn't the...
0: roll my eyes any harder. <laughs> How much of a nerd
1: are you? Dow Jones is up, in case you're wondering. Wasn't. He was um is currently down, down today, struggling oh. a little bit.
0: Do you know what fourteen-year-old Joe would have
1: thought? <laughs> it's interesting stuff, actually. Do you know when yeah. I started at the first ever finance company that you and I worked at? I used to go onto the BBC News website every day mm-hmm. and make a note of what the Footsie was, and they had a notebook that I wrote it in. But I was genuinely that interested in what the Footsie was doing. You're probably better off explaining what actually the Footsie is. So not because, just a uh, thing yeah. that you play with somebody who you really fancy. <laughs> yeah. No. No, no, that's not different. Yeah, highly inappropriate.
0: (laughs) I think if we start with the foundations, because I don't think people realise that investing's for everyone. It's not just men in suits in London going bye bye bye, sell, 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 and walking around with giant phones like in the 80s. Yeah,
1: very Wolf of Wall Street.
0: Yeah, it's not all cocaine and DiCaprio.
1: It's just there's no DiCaprio. So the FTSE is the stock exchange for buying shares of individual companies in the UK. So the FTSE 100, for example, is the largest 100 companies in the UK by their market share. And FTSE 250s, the largest 250s and so on. So
0: I guess actually what the FTSE does is an indication of what's happening in in life in the yep. UK, isn't it?
1: If you think about it, so you're talking about the largest 100 companies in the UK. So by its very nature, those 100 companies will be huge employers. So if the FTSE generally is going off, then that means the companies within the FTSE are increasing in value. They're doing well, which will mean that the people who are in those companies continuing to have jobs there'll be more employment in future you can see that that's kind of a very positive outlook for the broad economy overall so yes these companies are going up but they're going up because the trading conditions are good enough that they can be successful mm-hmm. um, and there's more to it than just that because the thing with the markets is that they're not always logical that there's sentiment involved that people do buy 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 sell 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 because they think they've got issue a winner and then that could kind of impacts on things but you know broadly the signs of the companies that you're talking about if they're doing well the economy's doing well and when things start to turn you'll see that through through those businesses which is
0: where we had before where we went through a credit crunch and we went into a recession and then a depression and yep. then do you want to explain a little bit about economic cycles No, not
1: really. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be a funny podcast all <laughs> right what would you say is the riskiest thing that you've ever done that I'm going to ask firstly which one worked out well
0: um well I would say um on a very personal note about eight years ago while I had two mortgages two small kids no savings. I gave up a good solid job with a good solid pension. I came to work for a little start where it was just one person
1: who'd been working on her own for 18 months. Thank you for taking that risk on me. Yeah. The riskiest thing I've ever done that worked out badly was hire a job. <laughs> There's
0: there there two sides to every coin. There is. There is. There is. There is.
1: There is. There is. What risk have you done that didn't work out as well?
0: Um, I once drank some lumpy milk. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) ew. (laughs) Why? um, But I once tried to time some traffic to run to get to an ice cream van and got hit by a van. (laughs) There was no reward. (laughs) There was potential reward. There was ice cream at the end of it. I wasn't actually, I would have gotten ice cream as well, but what I was going to the ice cream van for, I was. I must have been eight, I think. My mum had given me a um, a note for the ice cream man for him to give me cigarettes to take
1: home. Um, <laughs> oh, and you good could old buy, days. You could buy like a
0: box for, I don't know, <laughs> two quid or something, or you could buy them individually for 10 pence, and I think I was going to buy... Some individual some cigarettes. Two individual cigarettes or something, and I was running across the road and got hit by a van.
1: Oh.
0: I know, yeah, it was quite traumatic. I mean, I got the ice cream in the end, and it was free. <laughs> so really it was Did you a, have you got extra tone. Oh no, I didn't get hit very hard. It was very bouncy. <laughs> Same question back to you. What was the biggest risk you took that went well?
1: Um, So business, in a similar kind of
0: vein. So what did you think about what was the risks when you started your own business?
1: Um, You know, homelessness, poverty, (laughs) starvation, all the usual things. I knew there was a potential long-term reward of running my own business. That's what I cared about. It wasn't the financial possible rewards I could get from it. It was I wanted the control of my own business. But what I did think was the worst case scenario is it doesn't work out. I am still good at my job and I can just get another job elsewhere. And I think that's the thing. It's having that fallback. It's kind of you need to know what you can afford to lose um, or you need to know that if you lose what you're putting in, you you can still kind of find a way to get around it anyway. So it was um, as much as I never wanted to have to use that fallback of going and getting a job. I did think the worst case scenario is the business doesn't work out. I lose the money that I've invested to try and get it up and running. You know, dust yourself off, think I gave it a try and... Yeah. Swallow your pride and, and get another job. Worked out all right. Land Broadly,
0: yeah. Award-winning podcaster.
1: <laughs> no, award Award-winning. Winning, is a
0: risk, isn't it? Comma, podcaster. <laughs> yeah, um, this in itself a risk, I guess, isn't it? The podcast. Yeah, because I can tell myself all day that I'm hilarious. I don't want other people to tell me I'm not. <laughs>
1: We talked last episode about saving. Assuming people have started to pull together a bit of an emergency fund and they've got yeah. some cash, what's the next step? How do you know that investing's right for you? How do you know that starting to understand the world of stocks and shares is something that you need to be thinking about?
0: I would suggest once you've got enough to cover any emergency that you may or may not foresee, then why not invest that money in cash? It's not going to give you a return. And it's not about greed. It's a very sensible decision, regardless of where you invest or how you invest there's a million and one options but investing is the next sensible step yeah fingers of an investment is with anything there's a risk yeah absolutely Um, there is there's a risk of having it in the bank the risk is what you were talking about which is inflationary risk that you yep. actually lose the buying power of your money
1: yeah say you've saved three thousand pounds your emergency fund and you mm-hmm. thought my my general outgoings each one through a thousand pound so I've got three thousand pound that's brilliant if something happens I can cover my basic expenditure for three months That's fab and then you do nothing and everything just stays in cash, in 10 years' time, your basic outgoings won't be £1,000 a month, even if you've not changed. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Just purely by inflation, your basic outgoings will be probably double.
0: Say, for example, you're getting 0.5% interest from your bank. Let's just make it a bit easier. And then inflation is around 2.5%. It's pretty
1: stable. Yeah. What would that look like then in 10 years' time? Okay, so if, if you had £3,000 set aside for boiler, for mm-hmm. example, nothing else changed other than inflation, that same boiler in 10 years' time would cost £3,840. Right. So not because it's a better model or because of anything else, just the cost of inflation would be £3,800. So right now you're going, my boiler's £3,000, I've got £3,000, that's great. In 10 years' time... Your boiler's is £3,840 to get the same one, but because you've only had half a percent interest on your bank account, your bank account's only 3,150, yes. so you're now 700 pounds short of getting your boiler by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's literally the cost of inflation, it mm-hmm. eats into the value of your money and what you can spend it on. So I guess that's why people invest, even if it's not to take huge amounts of risk, it's not greed,
0: it's not about... It's not
1: chasing 10% returns yeah, or the next no, it's big it's just to be Apple. able to pay for
0: that boiler in 10 years' time. Yeah, exactly, or yeah. it's to, or it's to, to keep the reason. value of your money. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly, you need to do
1: something, or else, like you say, you're going backwards. Just a point I wanted to make with financial planning is that it is all about risk. Even banks are risk rated. So the ones that have lower credit ratings will pay higher interest rates. So even at that level, there's so much depth of risk. Do you remember when everybody was investing in Icelandic banks? They were paying huge, huge interest rates and people thought, well, you know, banks won't fail. So I'll go and chase my 7%. And then they did, they went bust it's all risk and reward so anytime that you're kind of looking for those higher returns it's a higher level of risk and it's knowing at what point on the scale you sit and knowing where you're comfortable what losses you could tolerate if you know the worst was to happen
0: Um, I think what's interesting is that people would think, Oh, investing's not for me, I haven't got any money. But most people will be invested without realising, you know, true. through their pension. Yeah. Your pension is generally invested. Yeah, yeah. Usually just in a balanced yep. um way, which is what we call a balance between the risk and reward. But
1: most people if you've yeah, got true. a pension anybody, big yes. If you're in work, you'll almost certainly have a pension because of auto enrollment mm-hmm. and absolutely will almost certainly be invested in some way. So, yeah, people will be invested in their pensions, but you don't invest directly into shares. The reality is, for most people, me, you, Joe Public in the street, that's not how you invest. You invest in a fund, and that fund invests in hundreds, if not thousands, of shares. So you don't have to sit there and try and choose which is the next big, amazing company, which one's kind of going to go flying through the roof. The point of going into a fund is that you've got this huge range of companies in there. Some will do better than others, but broadly, overall, it should kind of move forward and get you the returns that you need. It's not the scariness of going and picking mm-hmm. a stock and tracking it on your app. And it's... watching it
0: going up and down, up and down, because the thing about shares is they're so volatile.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. So that's that's not the kind of the world that people would get into when in they're first mm-hmm. investing. Maybe, you know, when you have uh, kind of investing, or been involved in it for years and years and you've got huge pots of funds and money to burn, then you might win a little gamble and that's when you'd get into playing the stock market. That's mm-hmm. when you'd get into choosing shares. But exactly that, it's a gamble. Even
0: the people who are qualified yep. stockbrokers yeah, yeah. and live that life all of the if time. they could all they call make make the mistakes. next big thing all yeah. the
1: time, everybody would have the next big thing. Exactly that. Yeah, I think if people realise it's mm-hmm. not as scary as stock picking, then maybe they wouldn't think investing is not for me. They'd kind mm-hmm. of go, all right, okay, so all I'm trying to do is invest my money in a way that'll get me a little bit more than cash, but I'm not having to kind of dive all the way over to this extreme of yeah. being really detailed and knowledgeable about stocks and shares. Yeah, I
0: totally agree. And in fact, there's certain funds that you can invest in that take very little risk. Yes. That might just take you beyond the point of inflation, so you can always pay for your boiler or you can always pay for that next big holiday or whatever it is that you're saving exactly. for.
1: Exactly, yeah, even stocks and shares isn't the first option, is it? There's there's no. le- there's levels in between cash and stocks and shares. Yeah.
0: talking about betting and gambling. Mm. You're a bit of a gambler, aren't you? No. You're, you are. You're no. a bit of a card
1: no, I'm not.
0: I'm rubbish at gambling. I only really do once a year or something. if I've been to the races for an event. Yeah, or the I National. I genuinely just pick the horse which has got the best pun.
1: Wasn't Jude really good at picking... So
0: when he was little, every year in the Grand National, Michael would give him a pound to have a bet and obviously he would put it on for him because he was only like three or four. Um, and when he was... He'd won when he was three, he won when he was four. And when he was five, he won on a 100-to-1 outside Thingamajig, and ended up over hundred pound back, and he, he immediately went out and bought like a little bike, and Aww. just spent all the money in the toy shop, and he was just over the moon with himself to the point that people now, ten years later, still call up before the national and say, "Has you got any tips?" <laughs> 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 just and to the mind he was five. <laughs> the one he picked. It was called something like Mon Mom or something like that. And he picked it because it sounded like my mum.
1: Oh, um, and, and also I was, never gave me any money. I was thinking what nice parents you are that like, you let him keep the money. Like my oh. mum would not have let me keep that. Yeah.
0: Know, <laughs> like, There's yeah. your one pound
1: stick back. Um, so
0: he picked one and lennon had picked one, but Lennon's was like, I don't really know how betting works. I'm gonna say like eight to four or something, and his came second and he got the six pound <laughs> back. Then you got hundred and odd pounds It was just, let's go at to the toy shop. And I was like, yay! <laughs> I can't wait to
1: spend all my £6. <laughs> well, we like to go to the casino. That's the thing for a night nice out. You're a bit
0: of a card counter, though. I've I'm not seen a card you counter. You are, because when we played got... before and you tried to teach me cards, you were saying, well, Joe, obviously, there's only so much left in the pot because this has come out and this has come out and I was thinking, oh, right, yeah, no. I was just looking at the waiters for the next run. <laughs> um, you knew what, the likelihood of cards to come out and stuff.
1: Well, maybe with cards. So, but I was thinking, so typically when we got the casino, I tend to play roulette and It's just farcical how we all play it. So, mum goes, right, I've got these eight numbers out of 36. I've got these eight numbers, I'm just going to do them. She'll do them, and then she won't be winning, so she'll increase it to 10 numbers, and then she won't be winning. So by the end, she's covering, like, 20 numbers out of 36. So even when she wins, she wins less than she's put on, and she just does that until she's skinned and goes home. And then I'll do it, and I'll go, oh, my gut's telling me... (sighs) Five. My gut's telling me five and I'll put it all on five. got, yeah, no, that was wrong. Oh, I've, just, I've <laughs> got this feeling. I've now? just got this feeling. It's telling me 19. No, that was wrong. And it's like it's maybe the times. chicken in the basket that you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely illogical. It's a spinning wheel with a little ball going around. It could be anything. It
0: says a lot about risk and reward, though, because when you talk about roulette, I've only ever been to a casino once and that was with you and you had to teach me what to do. But I would immediately think, oh, I'm just going to pick a colour. Because there's a 50-50 chance and there's a lot less risk than just picking number five. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, that's a 1
0: in 36 risk. So I think I would take less risk than you in that respect. Yeah.
1: Honestly, I feel like Mystic Meg. I just kind of go into this little trance of like, what am I feeling? What am I being drawn towards? And then... There's no intelligence, just doesn't work. With, it's no, just no. luck. Yeah. Are they all just luck or some of them are? No, so that was the difference with cards. is that you, there's some, there's some logic around some of it. But when you've just thrown a ball on, around a wheel, it's completely yeah. luck. And then you go, there's been six reds in a row. Like the next one must be black. Right, it's been seven reds in a row. <laughs> they definitely ran, putting everything on black. I've right, eight... <laughs> just got <in> the ATM. <laughs> oh,
0: no. Take my chicken back, I can't afford it.
1: I think uh, people do... do what. I, so where I kind of will go, well, I feel intuitively or emotionally towards this number. I think people do that. They'll get tips. They'll get insider tips or they'll hear little snippets it might be in news or it might be somebody's told them about something and everyone's so desperate to chase the next big thing that they'll just go with that and they'll lose the logic entirely and I think it's fine if you're doing it because it's a casino night out and you've took 20 quid to spend and you you kind of be planning on spending Mm. it but I think there's something to be said around when it's your life and you're actually genuinely considering investing this isn't the world that you play in. you need to have a much more sensible approach to what it is that you're doing and it's
0: where advisors come in so if you're happy to take a tip from a guy down the pub on the next big horse that's going to come through, wouldn't you, for your actual future, want to speak to somebody who really knew what they were talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. If yeah. it's just for some tips.
1: Yeah. Or just listen to a podcast. Yeah, there is that. So, leading in from m um we tend to start by asking people if you're at a party, don't know if you're the party type, um, and somebody asks you what you do for a living, how do you explain it?
2: Uh, love a party, <laughs> be, just say so you know. Um, in fact, you know that very well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think it's sarcasm. Uh,
2: yeah, so I, I, I normally start with, I work in finance.
1: Yes. Which,
2: which I think Full is... Full stop. Yeah, I work in finance, kind of leave it there. Yeah. Most people kind of glaze at that phase. Yeah. And kind of, you know, the conversation turns to football or rugby or something, topic of war, you know, other, other than work.
1: It's an actual conversation killer, isn't it? It kind
2: of does. You kind of work that way. Uh, but then occasionally you get someone, oh, finance, interesting. What part of finance are you working? And that's where I typically go, oh, asset management. Oh, asset management, What's that? Is usually the question. And then it's like, okay, we manage equities, bonds, commercial properties on behalf of a range of different customers, from individuals to uh, to, to big corporates and institutions to local councils and, and plenty in between as well.
1: Now, top up the wine. <laughs> <laughs> another drink.
2: More, more wine and move on.
0: Do you so, never feel that you want to lie and say that you do something more exotic? Do you know what
2: I have lied in the past? So it's usually, uh, probably to be fair, more in my younger days, you're kind of fighter pilots. <laughs> Is, 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 up, is up there love it <laughs> yeah when come on <laughs> He's not a big fan of Top Gun, let's be honest. I, I must confess more so in my younger days when I was on the lookout for my Kelly McGillis. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I do genuinely enjoy my job. I think, I guess what I like is the variety, just talking to different people and talking about the markets, which clearly don't ever stay the same, which is why the job is, is so varied.
1: When you do talk to people outside of financial services and they, they do start to of over, well, what's the one thing that you wish people did know about finance that they kind of understood about it? Yeah,
2: I think it's a, that's a great question. I think Thanks. It's... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I think it really, for me, is, you know, I've got friends that are extremely successful w- within their own businesses, you know, separate and outside of finance. And we talk over a beer in the pub about, about pensions and financial planning, and they just generally have no clue whatsoever. So for me, it probably comes back down to, you know, the the kind of grassroots of education, you know, talking to children in a different way, educating them about their finances, Thankfully, you know, my father was pretty kind of financially savvy and kind of you know got me saving from a young age because that was how he was kind of built that's within his dna so i kind of caught that bug so i think it comes down to education you know talking to children at a very very young age and you know, talking about things like inflation which might sound dull and boring to some people but you know ultimately the ravages of inflation like, if you're just sat in cash as you'll know any too well can just you know erode that you know, cash saving pretty quickly and who's the education. freddo
1: index taught me to talk about inflation and, and the impact on it the what sorry the freddo index
2: uh, the freddo index. Do you know how
1: much of freddo, how much do you think of a Fredo?
2: <sighs> Blimey. So, I think back in the day, I probably would sell like 10p exactly, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But it's probably like 25p now.
1: Exa- oh my God. Like, do you know the Fredo index? <laughs> oh, I'm right. like, it in M&G? <laughs> <laughs> is it could 25p? Oh, is
2: it? Yes. Was, I, yeah. It be, went yes. up to
1: 30 at one point and kind of came back down.
2: It's an outrage. Right. So, we, yeah, MG, we've looked at Monster Munch, for example. So, same thing. Infl- inflation, kind of shrinking the pack of Monster Munch. So, for your 50p. Oh, shrinkflation. Well. Yeah. So, 50p would have bought you 50 grams of Monster Munch, whereas now 50. People buy so you forty grams of lunch. <gasps> so They just reduced the size of the bags, you know. Same with Toblerone. You saw it a few years ago, didn't
0: they? Oh, where they split it, the yeah. the space between the. Do you remember? Their, they um, increased the space piece. between the <gasps> between the triangles. <laughs> <They're> Outrage <laughs> in the Swiss Alps, no, <laughs> no, Manchester and
2: Toblerone <laughs> with bigger <laughs> gaps between the square <laughs> between the triangles.
0: It's it's an absolute national
2: disgrace. <laughs> it is. Same with Maltesers. Same situation.
0: I feel like you can apply this to
2: absolutely shrink, all snacks and confectionery. You
0: with the um, quality street tins. Yeah. You see that. Every year at so Christmas are, time, people see that oh, this is what they used to look like.
2: So you know, we're often accused in the industry of not talking to our customers in a language they understand, whereas we are just addressing this right now. Snacks. Take a box of quality treats to all your client meetings. You've got snacks on hand, and you can talk about inflation. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> yeah, we
1: win. we're going to have. Um, we're not going to have it, are we? We're going <laughs> to launch. Are we a... or not? <laughs> we're going to do Eden now. No, you I don't. Do want... what? Sorry,
0: um, we're talking about opener. Uh, boutique hotel where basically it's just a nice restaurant
2: where you can eat and nap. Oh eat and nap? Mm-hmm. I thought it's like a new dessert eat and nap. I was like yeah, like, it's like, like mess? eating eating like, like <laughs> rifles. <laughs> eat and um, nap.
0: Yeah, it's only for
1: public school people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so you mentioned inflation the first barrier for a lot of people is um getting into the habit of saving and kind of changing the way that that works but then once they have got it we've talked about the impact of inflation and actually just leaving it sat in a bank account isn't the best way to do it but we think the idea of investing you know markets going up and down by bye sells to sell it's so far removed for most people that's almost the the fear of i think it. it's
2: fear of the unknown you know people that have Possibly had parents that passed away that are sat on quite significant sums of cash and it just being sat in cash. And yeah. I've talked about them investing it. Now, Lee, I've, I've looked into kind of you know, cash rates. It's all fine. It's all good. I'm like, well, actually, do you really truly understand even what, what inflation is? You know, it's such an important thing that, that people, I think, often think about investing and they think, you know, I need one, I need to have lots of money. Well, one, you don't need to have lots of money to invest. You know, just little and often even as much as 10, 20 pounds a month mm-hmm. through time can make a huge, huge difference. I think it's just trying to embed the mentality of doing that on a regular basis. You don't have to be an expert, you don't have to have uh, huge technical knowledge, it's just taking sensible decisions, investing in a diversified basket of assets on a medium to long term uh, would put you in pretty, pretty good stead
1: one of the fears I guess with investing is that there is a risk. So how do you how would you explain risk and the concept of risk in kind of simple terms? I,
2: I first gonna start with cash. So if you've got ten thousand pounds invested, you don't do anything with it, inflation's at two percent, you're losing two hundred pounds a year. Yeah. So almost what's the risk to a degree of not taking risk? Yeah. So flip that on its head a, a little bit there. And then I think about, you know, once you take that step into investing, you know, what 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 are the risks associated with investing? Well ultimately the biggest risk is permanent loss of, of, of your capital. Yeah you lose all of your money yeah. that is risk I think yeah, clearly that's very extreme risk yeah. and most people that we certainly will be talking to that possibly listening to this podcast won't be taking that kind of like a gambling type risk if yeah. you know. that's kind of roulette type risk we don't deal in that particular currency and for most people, it's kind of like the classic bell curve where you've got extreme ends of, I don't want to take any risk or I want to take lots of risk. And actually, most people probably sit somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So I'm happy to take a little bit a little bit of risk on the basis that over the medium to longer run, I'll get greater returns than I would have if i have left my money in, in deposit. And kind of in short, that's kind of risk.
1: If you'd got that concept across to one of your friends and they said, OK, fine, um, this money that's sat in uh, a bank account, this £10,000, um, where should I start? Where would you tell them? I mean, obviously, put all with them in G, but... Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's almost that of first... Court, effort, m Investments, I'll say that again. M&G Investments. from m But did with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's the practicality even of it. You know,
2: what where do people it's, begin? And I think that's hugely complex. And I think, you know, one of the things we need to try and address, I think, as a broader industry is, is the language we use, how we present you know, the solutions that people can invest in so people can understand them in a simple, easy, understandable manner. So I think you know, there's work to be done there as, as an industry. But I think... You know, if someone's coming to me with £10,000 and say, Lee, I've, I've got this money, where should I invest? I think it's important understanding, you know, um, what cash reserves someone might have in place to start with to make sure that if something were to go wrong, they've got you know, emergency cash funding available. So things like redundancy or unforeseen circumstances in their life, they've got enough to cover themselves for at least for a period of six months. Thereafter, I'd be thinking about kind of you know, debts, what are their interest rates on, on their mortgages, for example, do they have any credit card debt? You know, first and foremost, they should be paying down. You know the debt that they have that's potentially on very high rates of interest and i think all those things considered if thereafter there is a pot of money available to to invest it's like saying okay let's work out what level of risk you you might wish to take with this money what are your short medium long-term objectives for this you know if it's if it's for a 50-year time horizon i just wish to have, yeah, have this money for my pension then really you know you're looking at kind of more higher risk strategies because you've got an awful long time before you're going to accessing that capital if it's gonna be needed uh, in a much shorter term, you know, two to three years, then you need to think about a more cautious approach to investing. And that's typically speaking, if you are investing, it's you know five years plus in terms of time horizon. If you're taking a five year plus view, you can afford to take on some risk. Uh, and in that situation, it's very much take you know take the approach of a, d- a diversified portfolio, a different range of asset classes, which will move up and down at different times, giving you a, a reduced ultimate level of risk as well.
0: There's so much choice of products and things in the market. So is it, do I get nicer? Do I put it into a pension? Do I put it into um, a fixed-rate bank account? I think the help to buy ISA was very popular and it was very good because it literally told you exactly what it was on the tin. I think the, the ambiguous nature of some of the products in the market is that if somebody had a £1,000 or £10,000 to invest, you it's not just to looking start. to where to invest, it's what product do I use?
2: Yeah, and I think there's so much jargon. So things like SIP, for example, mm-hmm. how many people know what a self-invested personal pension is or, or And even is or then, does?
0: it sounds like you having to learn how to invest yeah, things. Yeah. It's self-invested and really SIPs now are not self-invested.
2: No, it's, it's a complex world out there. You've got your premium bonds, you've got cash accounts, you've got fixed-rate cash accounts, you've got uh, a variety of different investment solutions, and also, you know, you talk about tax wrappers, you've got ISA, pension, investment bonds, you know, a variety of different tools. And actually, what's quite interesting is, I think from a consumer perspective, if you're doing it yourself, there's actually probably greater guidance now, but ultimately, it's still very, very complex in terms of where they might go, and even how they might research the costs associated with certain investment platforms and, and risks. I guess much like things like uh, moneysupermarket.com, those type of websites which can allow you to compare insurance type products, what we're starting to see crop up now from a consumer perspective are kind of, you know, how do you compare direct platforms if you're investing? So, you know, what are the, what are the costs and charges? What is my choice? What are the best buy list looks like? What's their track record with service? Those type of things which should help the consumer start to engage with their savings a little bit more in a slightly more understandable way.
1: I remember we did those stats and it was how many people trust investment managers, how many people trust financial advisors, how many people trust insurance companies and investment management was the lowest, wasn't it? It was something like, was it 12% or
2: 17%? Most people start off from a position of I don't trust this industry. Mm-hmm. You know I think the same about estate agents, for example. Yeah. And I have no reason why I should feel that way. You yeah. know, I just think to start with, if I invite one into my house, I mean, they're going to charge me more than I think they possibly should, and I'm not sure what service I'm going to get. Mechanics, and another one. Me- yeah, me- yeah, possibly uh, mechanics. Yeah, it um, It's a
1: female as thing. It it yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, as, yeah, and I, I guess you're right. You're going kind to
2: of think, you know, do I trust this industry? And it's a lack of se. education,
1: yeah, because I don't know anything about cars. So, so I, it's yeah. on
2: the back of. So I think you know the UK consumer probably is coming from it from a starting point of as an industry I'm a bit unsure about what these guys are doing and if you think about the messages that have been placed in their minds let's say since 2008 which is even the banks that they bank with so, you know remember the kind of the pictures of people lined up down the street outside their branches you know that doesn't spark confidence in any industry but I think it's you know, in terms of how we go about addressing that I think it's you know it's acting with with integrity it's it's trying to communicate in a clear transparent way it's you know I think there's been regulatory change which is was absolutely helping that process in terms of what we what we charge for our products making that you know. Uh, as clean and transparent as we possibly can in pounds and pence numbers, what are you paying for this product and service? So I think that that's coming. But I think, you know, I don't want to kind of sound like a broken record here but it's it is also coming back to that educational piece and there is
1: um, a genuine drive across all of finance it seems to to just keep opening it up and kind of because it benefits everybody doesn't it get more people involved in finance and not being afraid to kind of go and get stuck in and start investing if you had to put all of your money into one fund what would it be oh goodness me right does it start with m and m with g (laughs) Uh, yeah
2: 100% all in m and g funds uh do you know what? i don't think i would do that actually so let's just say so i'm investing me. may I can only choose one fund. Yes. I'd probably go global. I'd yeah. probably look at equities, so more the high risk nature of, of kind of how you can invest. And it would be possibly something like emerging markets with Ooh. exposure to kind of, you know, that very kind of. Very risky. Gro- yeah, very risky. The growth kind of part of the world where you've got you know increasing demographic trends of the, the middle consumer are growing, uh, you know, consuming more in terms of that kind of piece playing through. You've got the urbanization of China and India uh, and these kind of emerging economies, I think is a, is a big kind of growth opportunity. So something along those lines. So, uh, yeah, flavor of global equity. Uh, more with the tilt to emerging markets I'd say
1: speaking of which we were supposed to be at lunch five minutes ago so we're going to have to um, end it there but thank you uh,
2: my pleasure thank you for thanks having me in. thanks thank very
1: much Lee. can you
0: do me a favour and just say, <laughs> no, just say and now a word from our sponsor m No, just
2: say and now a word from our sponsor now a word from our sponsor sorry you. can you see it
1: without me laughing over you
2: and now a word from our sponsor
0: <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by The Art of Finance we'll make learning the world of finance interesting modern and fun
1: a fund mm-hmm. right now so we talk about funds as a way yeah. of investing in a number of shares so you're right if it's an active fund then you've got a manager who is researching companies and picking which companies to put oh. in it if it's a passive fund and um, for example a passive fund that tracks FTSE 100 it just has shares in each of those 100 companies and in the proportion that they make up the FTSE. so mm-hmm. if the biggest company in the FTSE is 15 then the fund will have 15 percent in that company too mm-hmm. so across The range of funds, there's thousands. There's thousands and thousands to choose from. So if we were to play a little game and pick you a fund. Mm -hmm. The other thing to bear in mind with active, because you're paying for somebody to try and beat the market, it's more expensive. And with passive, you're not paying anybody to do anything. It's essentially a computer tracking the market, Mm -hmm. so it's cheap. So bearing in mind, you've got over here the chance for better returns, but Mm -hmm. also more cost and the chance for higher losses. And over here, you've got vanilla, It'll do whatever the market's doing in its low cost. So as a starting point, what's your preference? Which one do you want? My preference has always been passive.
0: You want passive? I don't believe that people can actively win the market over long term.
1: So would you like to pick an asset that you want your fund in? Would you like it in stocks and shares or would you like it in something more cautious? Um, No, stocks and shares, please. Okay, and do you want it in Europe, Japan, North America, UK... North America.
0: Okay. So when we're talking about geographical locations, yes. some of them are higher risk than others. The UK, generally, a lower risk. When you start talking about the underdeveloped countries, there's a lot more risk in there. The governments are more at risk, there's war risks, and there's economic risks. North America, I find, is quite stable in comparison to the UK, but there's a little bit more anticipation
1: for growth. And I just, I'm always drawn to the North America fund. It would be nice to be able to say, I want the fund that's historically always done the best performance mm-hmm. and is cheapest. But that's just not the way it works. Yeah. So what matters more to you right now in this little made-up game? Well, I think past performance is not an indication of
0: future performance, true. which is what we always say in finance.
1: Um, because that's true,
0: anything could happen tomorrow. So it's I'm I'm very vanilla. I appreciate you explained it as vanilla before, so I tend to just go balanced anyway. Yes. Um so a balance between
1: a low-cost fund and a performing fund. So I've gone on to Hargreaves Lansdowne. Um, that's the biggest website for people who want to invest direct, so not through an advisor. Mm -hmm. So anybody can go on to Hargreaves Lansdowne. It's not because we're in financial services. I've picked index tracker funds. Um, I've then picked North America Mm -hmm. to start to filter it down. And then you've got different options into how you can choose them. So I've gone on to charges. And the thing with the cost to bear in mind is whatever the return that fund generates over a year the cost so if it's comes 5% off. 5% and the fund costs 0.5% the return you'll get will be 4.5%. You'd get 45 exactly yeah, but if the fund fine. costs 2% then the return you'd get would be 3%. So yeah. it's, a, it's a big difference to what you get. So you're not physically paying those costs out Taking but the fund's the investing in. So you might because they're index trackers anyway because the, the, the passive funds I think the most expensive one is 0.3% a year in charges. And the cheapest fund is an iShares 0.05. So in this case, this fund is replicating the US equity index, because that's Mm -hmm. one that you've picked, and it's passive, so it's just copying it. It's not trying to be clever. And for whatever that US equity index does over the year... Zero five percent of it comes off. <laughs> so cheap, isn't it? It's ridiculously cheap, and then you get the rest. So, what has the performance of
0: that fund been over the last five years? So, say I put one thousand pound in it five years ago.
1: Okay, so five years, your return has been one hundred and ten percent. Yeah, so
0: that's a pretty good return, isn't it? Bearing in mind, I'm paying not point not five percent for that. Yeah,
1: 10674 percent.
0: Um, what bank account do you know that pays 100% interest?
1: <laughs> um, I would make the point, as you well know, that the last sort of five or 10 years have been exceptional in terms of all market growth. Everyone's yeah. done very well. It's not always the case that you would get 100% returns. That has just, just been an a... Example. It is just an example. Yes, yeah, so I guess with the same example of before then, you, your £3,000 that would have sat in a bank account. So at the end of 10 years, in a bank account it was worth... 3,150. Yeah. Your boiler was worth 3,840. So I'm already 700 quid so down. 700 quid down. That exact same investment in that one particular fund is now worth 6,202. Buy two boilers. You could, you could buy two. Mm. One and a half. One boiler and lots of shampoo because you can have showers now. So I guess that's the difference and it, that is quite an extreme and you did just kind of pick that fund and I don't want everybody to run out and buy yeah, a no, I wouldn't US equity fund, but it's yeah, the no, way of being it able just to an pick example. one. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say if you had invested in it, so we've talked a 10 year time frame, then what would you say is the minimum time frame that you should invest?
0: At least five years, yeah. always. Because in that time frame, although it's gone up over that time, if I put £3,000 in thinking, oh, this is done 100% over five years, so in one year I'll get 20% back, which is 600 quid, because next year I want to buy a boiler for 3,600. Yeah, yeah. But if that's fell down... Exactly ...when I go to buy it next year and it's now only worth 2,400 because it's gone down so much, it's the wrong time to take the money out.
1: So that same fund that's done that amazing return over 10 years, if you'd bought into it in October 2018 and you'd sold out in January 2019, you'd have lost 25%. So you'd have put your 3,000 pound in and lost 750 of that. So you'd have had 2250 back. Mm -hmm. So there's a big difference in when you invest. And if you've just exactly that, you've gone in for three months and you happen to have hit the worst period of it, Mm -hmm. despite over the 10 years it's done amazing, it's not guaranteed you can't kind of go in and know for an absolute fact that you're going to get those returns. I think understanding the length of time is really, really important as well.
0: If you timed the market wrong, um depending on the cost of each share in the market, When you buy will determine how many shares you can buy. So actually it's better sometimes to drip feed it. We call it pound cost averaging, but to drip feed that money in so you're kind of getting a spread of the market. If you all of a sudden come into an inheritance Mm -hmm. and you have hundreds of thousands of pounds to invest... Um, actually putting it all in at one point in the
1: market might be a really
0: bad choice. And it
1: doesn't just need to be large sums either. Yeah, I would no. say it works on smaller ones too. For the same concept, the fact that the markets do go up and down so much, if you phase it in, then whatever that market's done over that time, you're getting the average yeah. of it. You're not going in at any one point and hoping that that was a low point.
0: Because what could happen in you know worst-case scenario is that you can go in when the markets are really high, yeah. you've paid a fortune for your shares, and when you want to take it out in a year's time and the market's really, really low, you know, you, you've lost money without actually doing anything.
1: It's, it's like when you buy a house, isn't it? You don't want to buy a house at the top of the market, which you and I have done many a time. <laughs> but being a house, being a big, chunky asset, if you haven't got the option. You can't buy your house room by room. But it's much easier with day-to-day investing to be able to do that and to be able to kind of, as you say, drip feed it in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I'm hoping that we've busted some myths about investing. It's, you know, it's very attainable for a lot of people. You don't yep. need a lot of money to no, invest. No. You can invest £10 a month yep. if you want to in the same way that you could for a savings part. Um, what would be your top three tips for People looking to invest.
1: My first tip: um, I was reading actually just yesterday about the amount of scams that are still out there in the world of investing, and the way people end up falling into the scams. A lot of the time, they Google what is the best ISA, they follow that, and they end up putting their money into something that's not regulated, goes bust, and takes their money. So I think the absolute key whether you speak to an advisor or not is to make sure that where you're investing is regulated so that could be something like a robo advisor which would be something like nutmeg it could be that you go direct to a platform like hargreaves lansdowne that we've just talked about or it could be that you do it through an advisor so i think make sure that wherever you're investing is regulated and that should be clear on the website yeah top tip number one top tip number two you need to understand what you're comfortable with you need to understand what Loss you can tolerate. Don't mm-hmm. chase the returns. That's what you're hoping to get. It's almost a... It's a bonus. Plan for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. And over the long term, you should get the best. You should get the returns that you need, but also be aware that it will go up and down and don't, for the love of God, go on and check it every single day because it <laughs> yeah, will drive a... you insane. Yeah, it, I've it, done it, that. There's nothing worse. Yeah. Um, and yeah. my tip number three would... Look both ways before you cross the road. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your mum to buy your own fags. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than not getting hit by a van, what would be your other tip? What's tip um, number I guess three, just to be patient. It's a long-term investment.
0: Forget about it. Invest regularly. So, you know, £50 a month, £10 a month, whatever you can afford. And just leave it. Maybe check it every year and have a look, see how it's doing. Do
1: not panic.
0: My. Do
1: not see it falling and, think, and right, panic and it take out. it out. Yeah, Nothing that's the worth. worst
0: thing you can do. You just need to leave it for five years, ten years, as long as you can. Um, if you're feeding money into that the whole time, in five years' time on the anniversary, you might not need all of it. You can yeah. take some out then. Yeah, you might take some out at ten years. That might be your holiday fund, you know, holidays of a lifetime that you can have every five years. Three-time it might be coming up. Three-time it might be coming up to take a little break from work. That's what that investment's for. He's slow and steady wins the race. It's a turtle thing. No,
1: a tortoise. It's then, um, what do they say? It's time in the market, not timing the market. Ooh, I know. What a soundbite.
0: <laughs> and that does us for another episode. Thank you again to the guys, Mark and Glenn, from Second Draft, to our sponsors, The Art of Finance to Naomi and Natalie who do our marketing and to everyone at the Verve Group for all of their support. Please follow us and drop us a line on Twitter at that mint Podcast or drop us an email hello at thatmintpodcast.co.uk thank you, thank you. Party Bye. time.
1: <laughs> Cheers.